Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Avari. Very excited to report that UCLA is still dancing. Unfortunately, the Trojans are not. But lots and lots to talk about in today's show. Uh, first things first, I wanted to take a look at some of the things that I have added to my list, which these are going to probably seem pretty obvious to, you know, anybody who watches college basketball, perhaps. But These are just some factors that I've been writing down and and kind of looking into a little bit deeper as it regards to teams that can make a deep run into March, just for moving forward, even from this March Madness, because it's my favorite time of year. So I'm always planning for the next one. But as I look through these four things have just been sticking out to me and they're so, it seems rudimentary, right? It seems obvious, but I don't have these in a specific order yet, but I'm just going to start here with turnovers. If you are a turnover prone team, how are you going to win it all? You can. I don't think so. You have to take care of the ball well. And if you're a team that takes care of the ball well and can create turnovers on the other side, you're in a really good spot. More on that in a moment. Coaching, right? Now, there's sports where the coaching doesn't come into play as much, but college basketball is not one of them. How many times have we seen these close games in March Madness and in the final moments, the coach has to drop a play to get one last shot off and we have just seen this fail so many times. Like, what was the plan there? So, That's where in those final moments where you're going to have these really tight games, the closer and closer we get to Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, these games are just going to get tighter and tighter and the coaching discrepancies are going to become more and more apparent. So 
coaching is essential and that's why they pay them the amount of money that they do and they trade they change over these coaches so frequently so i like to look at head-to-head coaching matchups as well who's going to be better in that pressure moment what is what are their strengths what are their weaknesses um have they coached against each other before or have any connection and then another thing uh i think this would be four for me actually so i'll skip ahead free throws is what i'll say free throw shooting it's interesting because greg peterson hoops peterson if you will from vsin who bets every side in total of college basketball games all season long He's doing an incredible job. You should check him out. I think it's at G unit. Oh, it's a number, but search him out on these and he's great. But we talked about this early in the year. He was really concerned with, for example, USC's free throw shooting. Now I will say that they righted that ship a little bit towards the end of the season. Their free throw shooting improved quite a bit, but at the start, they were one of the worst in the entire country at free throw shooting. And that's a huge red flag for me now because we see how if these games are anywhere from three to four points, you know, up to 10 close in a game if they're you know within four to ten points they're going to foul a ton at the end of the game which is going to lead to a lot of free throw shooting it can seal a game for you it can make or break you and we've seen this happen a bunch of times too so simple things right turnovers free throws coaching and then lastly conditioning this one i don't think comes into play in every i mean maybe as often all these guys most of these teams these guys have been playing you know, all season long, ideally. Now, UCLA had a lot of injuries, so they had different people in and out. For example, Johnny Juzang looks a little bit out of shooting shape. He's starting to hit his stride again. We love to see that for him, but he has not returned to peak Johnny shooting just yet, but I'm seeing glimmers. We are seeing hopeful things. So the conditioning, whether it's shooting a basketball, you haven't been shooting a basketball for a while, like you've been out, you've been injured, or just running up and down that court when you have to start playing full court press, we see the teams that get gassed when they have to do that for 14 minutes of the second half. So that's one that also comes heavily into play, but not to me as important as those other three I mentioned. So just some notes that I've been making as I've gone through March Madness. Take it or leave it. See what you like. Here's some stuff that kind of applies those, actually. So UCLA beat St. Mary's on Saturday. They advanced to the Sweet 16. This was going to be a great, great matchup. Uh, two very, very similar teams. I'll get into this more in just a couple minutes, but this is a good example to me of two great coaches going head to head. So for me, I looked at this and thought Randy Bennett, great defensive coach, Mick Cronin, great defensive coach, who has the offensive coaching advantage. And for me, Randy Bennett does a really good job of creating good shots for his team, good shot quality. And UCLA just was the better team in this matchup. So they got the best of them. That was great. But I do think we looked at this coaching matchup and for me, it was almost a wash, right? As for turnovers in this, UCLA really limited their turnovers. They did not do that versus Akron as well, which was very like much a, an anomaly for them in this season. They usually take care of the ball well. So being able to adjust that, especially they're really good at tightening that up in a second half. So if they do, for whatever reason, face a team, kind of get those turnovers going in the first half, they do lock it back down in the second half. And we saw that versus Akron as well. The first half, lots of turnovers. Second half, not as bad. So... That's essential to being able to make those those adjustments. And then free throw shooting, right? UCLA's free throw shooting versus St. Mary's was great. I think they went 16 of 19. Uh, and St. Mary's didn't do too shabby either. 9 of 12 free throw shooting. So both teams there. So very similar teams in a lot of ways. And not neither of them relying on three-point shooting as much. Uh, St. Mary's had 7 of 21. UCLA 4 of 9. Um, UCLA also shot 56.5% in this. Again, I'll expand more on this game in a bit, but all of that to say, great head-to-head -head coaching matchup. UCLA did a great job of limiting turnovers and creating them on the other side, steals, uh, and even non-steal turnovers. 
and then their free throw shooting was really solid. So for me, not an overly elite offensive team for UCLA this year or, or even last year, but they find a way to make it work and they, they trust each other. Turnovers on the other side, USC. I have to talk about this again. I'm sorry if this is ad nauseum that I've talked about this, but they're bounced in the first round versus Miami, 68 to 66. Uh, head coach is complaining about the officiating. What else is new? Come on. I know. And I know a lot of the, the Twitter sphere has been complaining about officiating this tournament and I get it, but it, it's speaking of ad nauseum, right? Like I get it, but it also is, is almost getting too much at some points. That said, Hurricanes win their first tournament game in six years. Uh, there were eight lead changes in the final 11 minutes of this game, and it shouldn't have been this close for USC. Now that said, Miami went on to beat Auburn. Uh, and they're advancing to the Sweet 16 where they'll play Iowa State. But I don't think that's, I don't, I mean, Auburn was a little bit, what was the word? Fraudulent, right? That's like, that's like the buzzword that's been used a lot this year, whether it's talking about USC or Miami. So, uh, or excuse me, whether it's talking about USC or Auburn, but Miami advances to the Sweet 16 and the Trojans. What can you say about this? They started out slow. They're in an early hole. It didn't help that they didn't take care of the ball well, right? 18 turnovers and 12 of them coming off of steals. Also, I didn't include shooting in that first section. Of course, a team you want to look at that's pretty, pretty seems, seems obvious, I would say, is teams that are shooting really well, especially from deep, right? We talked about South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, and how they might cause an upset. They didn't, but they made it interesting because they were a really hot three-point shooting team, right? So we look at these teams. Um, North Carolina is another good one who UCLA is going to have to face next. And you get nervous about that, but if you only have offense, then a good defensive team can beat you with the right game plan, right? Uh, USC, though, so many turnovers here. They made 8 of 27 shots the first 20 minutes, which gave Miami a double-digit lead. Sometimes the shots are just not going to be falling, I think, right? We've seen some teams, even like Tennessee, like aren't they supposed to be a good three-point shooting team? What was going on in that game? And the defensive scheme can find a way to mess that up for you, muck it up real good. So shooting, obviously, really important, and it's a volatile factor. It's kind of scary because if someone can drop 9 or 10 threes like North Carolina can right now, that's going to really mess up your game. So you have to find a way to shut them down or make that difficult for them. USC turnovers, final note on this, 11 or more turnovers in 12 of their final 13 games, including, let's not forget in the Pac-12 tournament, 23 turnovers versus Washington, a game they still won, mostly just because Washington gave it to them. Uh, but Washington really should have won that one. So that was an issue pointed out early in the season. Uh, it's nice to see, actually, how some of these teams have progressed and grown and, and changed. Like I said, their free throw shooting did improve. So there's areas they were weak that they were able to improve. But um, not a great season for Andy Enfield and his Trojans and bounced in the first round. Not not good for the Pac-12, if you think about it. But at least UCLA and Arizona still in it. Because, yes, Arizona escapes TCU to advance to the Sweet 16, 85-80 to 80 in overtime. Uh, we will get into the LA lines in just a moment. But before we do... Just briefly, Benedict Matherden and Christian Coloco, are they the best like twosome right now in college basketball? It's so fun to watch these guys when they're not getting pushed around uh, by bigs, even though that kind of happened here. TCU did a great, great job of roughing them up, made this really close. I mean, it sent it to overtime. Uh, and also, last note on this game, Kerr Krissa, poor sweet baby angel with his messed up ankle, was an absolute just 
terror. He was a liability on, on the floor. And why was he in? I mean, we go back to coaching. That's in my four things to look at. I'm sure that list will grow, but why are you playing him? Right? He's one of 10 from three. He didn't even attempt a two. He was just hucking those up. Didn't get, didn't get to two a free throw either. I mean, three fouls, just horrible defense, rebounding, and you can't, and then everyone's talking about how terrible he looks and how is he playing Division One basketball, and he's playing on this horrible ankle, and they forget that he was like the leader, the point guard of this of this Arizona team, and so, yeah, Real, I mean, playing him, I mean, it almost could have cost him the Sweet 16 spot. Really, really brutal to watch, and I don't, I don't know what the decision-making was there, but interestingly enough, Arizona escapes TCU, which is great for betters because Arizona Moneyline at Bet Rivers had 94.98% of the handle. So 95% of the money on Arizona Moneyline. That would have been huge for the book. Uh, but sorry, Bet Rivers. We, we got one past him. Nice job, guys. Uh, it was also 68% of the spread was on Arizona. 82% had the over. And overtime always helps with those overs. Let's look at some fresh new lines, the local Los Angeles lines from Bet Rivers. Uh, Friday, UCLA versus North Carolina. Blue Bloods in action. UCLA, a two-point favorite. Total sitting at 142.5. UCLA also right now to win the East, so advance to the Final Four is plus 225 and to win it all at 18 to one. I have a ticket back from the start of the season. I don't even know what it was. I think it's not even as good as this might be 16 or 15 to one, which I realize not great value. Can you tell I don't bet futures very often. I don't follow the market closely enough to notice these ups and downs. And also I did it because I wanted to bet Gonzaga last year, which, you know, whatever Baylor ended up winning, but I wanted to, at the start of the season, I think it was eight to one. They were real short shots. And I talked to my brother about it. Cause I hadn't bet futures before. What do you think? I don't, he doesn't bet a lot of futures. So what are you doing? Right. Think about where you're getting information from that said, <laughs> try to get as much of it as you can. But so I reached out, I asked, he's like, Oh, you know, wait till the tournament time or close to March. They'll be around the same odds. No, by March, they were like three to one, four to one. They got even shorter because they had such a dominant season. So I didn't necessarily think that would happen to UCLA, but I just kind of wanted to have the ticket in my pocket. So don't do as I say, uh, or don't do as I do, I guess, do as I say with this one. Try to find the best value for these because yeah, 18 to one, I think it was 25 to one before the tournament started for UCLA to win this. So that would have been real juicy. But that said, I did lay some money down at around 15 or 16 to one for UCLA to win it all. So have that in my back pocket. That was more of a, wow, if they do that, wouldn't it be so great to have this ticket? So it does feel that way. Uh, the Lakers, meanwhile, Monday action at the Cavs. They are six-point dogs. 223.5 is the total. Right off the bat, I look a little bit to the over on this, but we will talk about the Lakers and the Clippers later on in this show. Um, we'll start with March Madness, UCLA uh, versus St. Mary's, maybe dive into the UNC game a little bit, but then we will talk Lakers and Clippers. Clippers are in action on Tuesday, actually, as well. But yes, Lakers plus six at the Cavs. And then a quick Dodgers detour, 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 excuse me, before we move on to the March Madness. So the Dodgers, just quick update because they've been making news too. It's really tough right now, right? Having to shift my brain from, this is my favorite time of year. I love college basketball. This is just reaffirming all of that for me. There was that 2020 year where we didn't have it. And I realized that year how much it was my favorite sporting event. And so it's very difficult to shift my focus at times, even to Lakers and Clippers right now, getting back into that um, has been kind of like, man, I've been all college basketball, but baseball Dodgers, just the rich getting richer, 
right? <laughs> they had Freddie Freeman. They retained Chris Taylor and Clayton Kershaw. They are losing Max Scherzer, which is great because I always can't say his name. It makes me sound like I just have a like a very elaborate lisp. Scherzer. Um, so say la vie to Max Scherzer. Uh, Corey Seager, also gone, and Kenley Jansen. Um, so that's not necessarily great for them, but they added Freeman. Um, they have Haney, Tyler Anderson, Daniel Hudson, and then also added a spare infielder, Hanser Alberto. So it's just they've been so, so good in terms of their rosters over the years that, I mean, throw a dart and you'd hit a good one. So nothing, nothing crazy here because minus 200 to win the NL West plus 250 to win the national league are the Dodgers and also five to one to win the world series. We just talked about getting value. People love to bet on LA teams like the Lakers, like the Dodgers in these futures and the Dodgers are leading in all those categories are the shortest shot on bet rivers in these categories. So it's just, um, you know, people are expecting them to be great. What was the win total last year? Well over a hundred. So It'll be interesting to see what that ends up being as well. But we'll dive into baseball season once basketball wraps up. Now, let's not wait any longer. Let's get into the sweet, sweet March Madness. I know we already started to touch on this a bit. Told you Hardy got eliminated, who barely survived. But let's look deeper at this UCLA versus St. Mary's game, right? So UCLA wins 72-56. to 56. They were a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. I say two-and-a-half because it briefly got down to that. This opened with UCLA as a three-and-a-half point favorite. And I just waited. I just waited for people to overreact to the UCLA Akron game. And I'm not trying to sound smug here, but I was, uh, you know, wagering on the fact I was, I was betting that UCLA was going to shoot better than they shot versus Akron because they shot so horribly, right? The chances of it continuing based on what I had seen from this team all season were very low. There was going to be a little bit more positive regression, let's hope, um, to the mean, if you will. Is it still regression if it's positive? Don't come for me, stats people. Either way, not even a sweat, right? They win 72 to 56. And this part was a little surprising to me. I didn't think they were going to win by this much, to be honest. I thought it was going to be like a 10-point win. And to be honest, St. Mary's just did not shoot well in moments as well. I was expecting a little bit more from them. Uh, and Randy Bennett, I mean, really, really talented coach and talented roster. It was a great matchup for UCLA. I actually was talking to Jeff Parles, who hosts... Bet Center with Ben Wilson on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, on the weekends. Um, in the evening, they do a great job. They do several hours, and they keep it fun the whole time. But I talked to Jeff because I was actually in Las Vegas for this game. I don't, like, buried the lead there. I don't know if you guys saw, follow me on social, saw on Twitter, saw on Instagram that that's where I decided to be. I decided on Tuesday, I'm going to go to Las Vegas. Um, my very good friend and uh, colleague, Stormy Bonatoni, who hosts My Guys on VSIN, let me come stay with her because, as you can imagine, last-minute hotels in Vegas the week of March Madness, the round of uh, 64 or whatever, was going to be a nightmare. So she was very sweet. Let me go stay with her. And then we went and watched sports all day. It was incredible. It's the best weekend, really, to be um, watching all those games. We did it at Circa Sports. I don't know if you guys have seen Circa, but the amount of screens, this sports book, I mean, and I've seen, I'm not going to say I've seen all of these other sports books in Vegas because I haven't. But I've seen pictures, and I'm just going to tell you, and Circus also brand new, and Derek Stevens is such a gem, the owner. I mean, just an incredible, incredible human, always so kind, always so down to earth, um, and also such a good time, and so well-dressed, just dapper in his uh, really exciting suits. But that said, I was in Las Vegas for these games, 
was talking to Jeff Parles before he started Bet Center on Saturday. UCLA was just wrapping up its game versus St. Mary's. And again, the last final minutes were not really a sweat. There was nothing. I mean, I was chilling. I was having a great time. And he mentioned, I said, yeah, I don't know. Everybody was overreacting to that Akron game. And I get it. I watched it. The UCLA shooting was abysmal. But it was also their first time in that arena, right? And that kind of messes with your depth perception. It didn't seem to mess with Akron as much, obviously. But that said, I mean, we saw that from Gonzaga. We saw that from Boise State. A lot of people need that time to adjust to that new environment. Uh, and so Jeff Parl said, yeah, well, I thought this game was going to be uh, UCLA versus St. Mary's, and UCLA is a better version of St. Mary's. Like, they're very similar teams, but UCLA is the more talented version of them. So I thought that was a really succinct, easy to understand, palatable, great, accurate way of describing that. So shout out to Jeff Parles for that uh metaphor if you will or, or whatever he said he didn't say a metaphor I guess but that comparison so Cronin man great job him and his staff actually he, he always credits his assistant coaches on the scouting report they did their best to kind of take away their passing because that's what St. Mary's does well right we talked about Randy Bennett neither of these teams an elite offensive team because they're similar right but Randy Bennett finds ways to get quality shots and they move the ball around so Cronin tried to take that away they got some steals and they tried to make guys score on them off the dribble. And you saw that, and um, it was pretty effective for them. Meanwhile, UCLA, we talk about bouncing back in the shooting. They shot 56.2% high. Uh, same way you shouldn't overreact to how they played versus Akron. Do not overreact to how they played versus St. Mary's, which is one of the best defensive teams in the country, even though it might not seem like that with this score and with this shooting from UCLA of all teams with, uh, what, the 142nd effective field goal percentage on Ken Palm? Not, not necessarily their specialty, but they shot really well. And that, I think, speaks to the, I want to say grit of this team. Just they shot so bad and then to come back in this way against a really, really solid defensive opponent is just really impressive. They went four of nine from three for 44.4%, 16 of 19 on free throws. I mentioned that. And four players had 14 or more points, only six turnovers for UCLA. I believe most of them, again, coming in the first half, and they usually tighten that up in the second half. So... Even though the Gales started hot, UCLA just picks up their energy on defense. And Jules Bernard actually talked about this after the game, UCLA guard. He said that when they start falling behind or getting behind right in the beginning, I don't, have, I don't know if anybody else feels this way when they watch this UCLA team. It's me who's watched you know, every game, been it, most of them, the home games. And I just don't get nervous with this team when they fall. I mean, when they get blown out like they did versus Gonzaga in November, that was pretty brutal to sit through. There was no hope pretty early on but other than that when I see this UCLA team and they fall a little behind I'm not worried because their defense is so strong they start getting deflections they get steals and they just kind of upset that offensive rhythm of the other team and that fortunately allows them to kind of start to build their momentum so they're basically when their offense isn't working they rely heavily on their defense and they can usually make games close even when they're shooting something like 30 percent versus the Gales versus Akron why was it only a three-point game well first of all Akron was Akron they they're doing their best but they shouldn't be playing against UCLA and having it be close but so there's that but also UCLA's defense able to keep keep games close when they have no business being close because on how they're shooting so that's a unique talent I would suppose speaking of unique talents Johnny Juzang shooting starting to look a little on track you know it's gonna need to be because in case you missed it in the St. Mary's game towards the end, Jaime Hawkins Jr. re-injuring his ankle, just landed on a foot, tweaked it a bit. Looks like he was in pretty bad pain. But I also wonder, as somebody who suffers from a lot of ankle injuries, 
if a little bit of it is panic, I mean, I joke, but I'm not kidding at all that I kind of have PTSD about my ankles from cheerleading. I broke a fifth metatarsal a year later, I tore just about four different ligaments and the same ankle had to have surgery again. So two surgeries in two years. And so anytime, and of course, as soon as you start to have your ligaments and anytime you sprain an ankle, right, it just deteriorates from there. It just gets worse. It's anything shoulders too. I feel like are like that. If you have an injured shoulder, I'm sure that you can relate as well, but the ankle thing, I'm wondering if you're panicked a little bit, you have PTSD from rolling it. I literally can't watch it when they do the slow-mo replays. I cringe. I like seize up. I can't, I can't do it. So he was obviously in a lot of pain because that was an already issue that he's been dealing with throughout this year on both sides of the ankles. Um, but I do think that he looked okay walking uh, out of LAX onto the bus. When they landed, he was walking on his own. He walked off the court by himself. So nothing's broken, but that doesn't mean strains and sprains don't hurt like hell. So hopefully they can get him right. They have six days to do it, right? They played Saturday. They play next Friday in Philadelphia versus North Carolina. Late slot really late slot. So really gave him as many hours as possible to get that feeling right. But we also don't want to see a Kirk Christmas situation. Not that Jaime would ever look like that. Anyways, back to Johnny. Uh, he made back-to-back -back free throws versus Akron that sealed the game for them. When they fouled him, I said, yeah, foul like one of our best, if not the best free throw shooter we have. And in the game versus St. Mary's, he made three kind of jumpers in a row. I, we're wondering where three-point Johnny Juzang is, right? I am. Is anybody else? And it's really interesting too, because I'll read articles about UCLA, right? Kind of just seeing what's out there and, you know, trying to do my job for you guys, give you good information. And you can tell the ones that don't know what they're talking about with UCLA and with all due respect, because they'll be like, Johnny Juzang's still the star of the Bruins. What? No, the star just tweaked his ankle. It's been Jaime. Sorry. This, he, the offense has been running through him. And what's great about this UCLA team is there are no stars, right? Even a McDonald's All-American like Peyton Watson, there's no stars on this team right now. They score by committee. They all play defense really well. Um, but if there's a star, someone who's carrying this team for me, it's Jaime Hawkins a little bit just because he does so many things so well. Um, no shade to Johnny, but... He needed to be their go-to guy for shooting. Jules can be a two, uh, and even Jaime in that mix, obviously. But I'm, I mean, I guess I'm shooting more perimeter shooting. I think Johnny, I think Jules, and Jules is just so streaky. He's either 0 of 4 or he's shooting 50% from three. That's There's pretty much no middle ground for him. Johnny needs to be the number one shooter, and he hasn't been in a long time, most of the season, and he was dealing with injuries. And I just, I really appreciate because after St. Mary's in the post game. They talked to him. They said, it seems like you're starting to kind of get your shot back and starting to get an offensive rhythm. He made those three jumpers and he responded, yeah, man, trying to, but really I just got great looks. The sets they were running for me on those plays, team, my teammates finding me, the big man just hitting me so wide open. They were screening and I was pretty wide open. No, but he said he's feeling good. He's just trying to build back up uh, and his teammates found him good looks. So I appreciate that he said that because that's very honest and that's also very humble and that's very UCLA, but he did get some great open looks, and I'm glad to see that he's knocking those down. I also think this is Johnny Juzang. We remember. We all remember. We can't forget last March. And I think at any any given moment, he could start to just drain those threes with a hand in his face. And I hope to see it this March. Jaime Hawkins Jr. injury. Mick Cronin said, like, you know, we have till Friday to play. And trust me, if he can walk, he'll play. I know him. And like I said, he has six days. So hopefully they can get him feeling decent tape the crap out of that thing i i do not i mean i feel very bad for him because i personally 
suffered, suffered with ankle injuries and I didn't play division one basketball. So can't imagine, but he's such an integral part of this team. And that's going to be such an integral part of the handicap as we look towards this game closer to the end of the week, Jalen Clark, Peyton Watson, they're going to have to step up. Uh, they kind of rotate in now. And also, I don't know if you want to say luckily here, but also of note, UCLA didn't have a fully healthy roster for most of the season. There were games that Jaime missed. There were games that Tiger Campbell missed. There were games that Johnny Juzang missed and Jalen Clark, Peyton Watson, even David Singleton had to step in and step up and they were able to win really good games. So I do think this UCLA team is uh, real tough, real tough. And that's, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It's coming from an alumna. As we talk about the Sweet 16, looking forward, we'll get more into this on Wednesday when we have all of the juicy details we need. But if you want to get in a bet now, I get it. Uh, UCLA minus two and a half first North Carolina Friday in Philly. Let me tell you, I spent an, an, an unnecessary amount of time trying to find a way to get to Philadelphia for this game. And uh, I was like, man, I'll just stay with, with host of the Philadelphia City cast, Ryan Rothstein, if I have to. Like, I will find a way to get to this game, whatever I have to do. Uh, and then I realized I was not, I was not willing to do anything because it was a little bit chaotic, uh, with the flights were very, I think the flights were like $800 round trip from LAX. There might've been one for six. I don't know. Then you got to pay to stay there. Even if you get that taken care of the ticket that, that was me for the game was going to be like $300. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't prepare to just drop a grand this week. I'm not like that much of a G like I, I did actually had a really good weekend of sports betting, but not that good. So We'll, uh, we'll just move on. We'll just move on from it and watch it in Los Angeles. And I'm trying to see, maybe they'll actually be somewhere I want to watch it socially, but I really like to watch these alone because I'm a freak like that. UNC, they beat Baylor. They beat Duke at Duke at the end of the season. Lest we forget, they beat Marquette, which is a team that UCLA also beat pretty easily earlier in the season. And yet North Carolina only an eight seed, but playing their best basketball right now, dangerous March team, right? They made 13 threes versus Marquette. And they made 11 threes versus Baylor, which is scarier to me because Baylor has a top 12 defensive efficiency and they're a top 30 defense at defending against three pointers. And still they made 11 threes on them. Now I know Baylor was not a one, like it was the lower one seed of the one seeds. It was the one that people thought maybe that's not a very strong one seed. And so betting on them to be the first one out, if you bet that, that cashed. Um, because yeah, Duke, Arizona, and Kansas all still alive. But all these threes, the other part of the story is 10 turnovers versus Marquette, 21 turnovers versus Baylor, 21 turnovers. Yikes. You can't do that versus UCLA. You absolutely cannot. And they're going to want to slow the game down. North Carolina's going to want to speed it up. It's not similar to the St. Mary's matchup where the teams are very similar. It's the opposite, right? Because North Carolina's going to want to push the ball. They're going to try to exploit UCLA's transition defense. But if UCLA can figure out what Virginia Tech did in the ACC championship game, because they limited North Carolina to three threes, uh, Virginia actually limited them to six as well before that, when they in, in the ACC championship before they faced Virginia Tech. But Virginia only shot 30%. So <laughs> UCLA also can't have a 30% shooting night. The way that North Carolina's defense has been playing, I'm not so worried about it. They kind of show up when they want to. And that's not going to cut it in March, in my opinion. So... We'll get into this more and more on Wednesday, but Cliff Notes version, North Carolina, 20th team on Ken Palm, and also the 20th in uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, 43rd in adjusted defensive efficiency. Meanwhile, UCLA ranks in the top 15 in both those categories, but 
The Tar Heels opponent average shooting percentage this season, 42.8%. Not very good. But over their last three games, it's dropped all the way down to 37.4. So 5% drop. That's improvement, notable improvement on the Tar Heel side of things. So you can't judge them on their season long because, like I said, getting hot at the right time, right? Bruins have the defensive advantage. That's always been their strength. They should be able to get some steals, create turnovers. But again, offense can't look like it did versus Akron. Uh, chalk that up to the arena shooting, perhaps. Uh, but this is going to be a whole new one in Philly. The total is also 142.5. That might be a little low, right? UCLA's transition defense. Gonzaga and Arizona found a way to exploit that. Maybe North Carolina can do that as well. So maybe we're looking at something like an over 142.5. And, and as we get deeper into this bracket, we're going to have closer and closer games and keep seeing overtimes. We just saw one, Arizona and TCU. So that'll be interesting. Also of note, Arkansas and Gonzaga should be really good. I know Arkansas is plus eight and a half, but I think that's going to be a real good matchup. And I can't wait to see Houston versus Arizona. And I got to tell you, I lead Houston. More madness to talk about throughout the week. We'll do it on Wednesday's pod for sure. But coming up, let's go Lakers and Clippers because the Lakers are in action on Monday. So don't go anywhere. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. No more football? No problem. Bet River Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college and pro basketball and more. Don't miss out on Bet River's many daily specials or try your hand at live player props or same game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at Bet Rivers. Get started with life after football with the Bet Rivers app. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Still your host, still Danielle Alvari, and still not impressed with the Lakers, are you? Are you? They're in action at the Cavs on Monday. And they're six-point dogs. Total sitting at 223.5. Both teams, same amount of rest, so I'm not going to handicap that necessarily. The Cavs, they just beat the Nuggets in overtime. And they only lost by four to the Sixers. I know the Sixers have been a little up and down lately, but still. They also beat the Clippers in overtime recently as well. And they have the fifth best ATS record this season for all of the NBA teams. On the other side of the coin, the Lakers have the fifth worst. Isn't that fun? Fifth best, fifth worst ATS. And the Lakers, by the way, straight up this season, now 30 and 41. Just in full IDC mode. I don't care. Uh, the Cavs also just beat the Pistons. Uh, it was a push, minus six. They haven't been covering a lot as of late. Uh, but that said, I still lean Cavs here, even, even laying six. The Cavs are barely in the top 20 uh, in points per 100 possessions on cleaning the glass and effective field goal percentage on the offensive side of things and the defensive side. So top 20 team. Not terrible, but not, not really elite or great at anything, but really besides covering the spread. The Cavs offense, 11th in offensive rebounding. So there's that. Uh, and I think that that's something I'll be able to exploit with the Lakers. The Lakers, the only thing they're doing somewhat well is creating turnovers on defense. Their offense is also 17th in effective field goal percentage, but that's just going to be, what, a fast-paced game, lots of shots going up. But do the Lakers care? Because it doesn't look like it. And more importantly, should you care? Eileen Cavs minus six. 
I probably won't be betting it because I'm getting so crazy with the madness. And that's been going really well for me, even though the NBA betting was going well as well. But um, one focus at a time. You can't ride two horses with one ass. So also of note, last four Cavs games have gone over and the last two Lakers games, not to mention five of the last seven Lakers games. Now, again, those are trends. They don't predict the future. They just tell you how things have been going as of late. But that said, 223 and a half. Might be worth a look at an over, depending on how the Lakers are shooting. I mean, like I said, 17th in effective field goal percentage. I think over 223.5 is not a crazy, crazy look. Uh, also, Clippers in action on Tuesday at the Nuggets. So these teams have played three times this season. The last time they played was on 119, so January 19th, and the Clippers lost 128, uh, excuse me, 130 to 128. But they covered plus nine and a half, and the game went over to 13. So again, Clippers defense kind of getting those low totals, but uh, their offense kind of had this spark after the All-Star break, and then that's since kind of dimmed for them. And so, yeah, I can see why you would look at maybe lower totals again for this Clippers team in these Clippers games. But also, so the last game, they lose by two, 130 to 128. Then they beat them before that, a week before, on January 11th. They won 87 to 85. Again, the January Clippers, very different from the after All-Star break Clippers we saw, but just telling you the history so far this season. And also of note, all of their matchups, Clippers Nuggets this season, have been decided by two to three points. So don't have the line for this game just yet. And of course, we want to know who's playing, who's hurt, who's not. But outside of that, if the Clippers are getting more than three points, give me the Clippers. That's how I feel. The Nuggets have not been playing their best basketball lately. Uh, they are the Nuggets. They're still 12th or better in points per 100 possessions and effective field goal percentage on both offense and defense. Uh, so top 12 or better in all those categories. And then they've only covered two of their last eight. Most recently, they lost to Boston and before that, Cleveland. So not, not, not at their best necessarily, especially as it pertains to covering. Trend, not a predictor, but just something to, to kind of chew on, if you will. And here's another trend. Four of the last five have gone over. But the Clippers, on the other hand, only one of their last five have gone over. And that could be their defense, or it could be that they're not shooting very well. Their offense is not doing well. But their defense, their 10th uh, in defensive points per 100 possessions and third in defensive effective field goal percentage. Those are pretty good numbers. Points per 100 possessions is a bit higher than you'd like it. They used to be fourth or better in both these categories. So seeing them at 10th now and then third in defensive effective field goal percentage means they're probably defending well on the perimeter. Um, but yeah, those points for 100 possessions has gone up quite a bit. And this is, of course, these numbers I'm referring to from Cleaning the Glass are from the All-Star break on. These are not full season because I like to look at a little bit more recent form, if you will. The Clips have been playing offense well to look at an over for me. Again, not knowing the total right now, this game going on on Tuesday. Um... But if anything, look like an under. And if the Clippers are getting more than three points, that's interesting to me. So maybe this is something that I would play because, uh, you know, there's no March Madness on Tuesday. But there'll be lots of prep work going on. And you'll get to hear all about it on Wednesday's show. And thank you so much for listening. Also, shout out. Um, I know somebody reached out on Twitter and said that they listened to the pod on Friday. And I had mentioned betting first half unders in these early games of the tournament. Big stage, young kids getting adjusted to shooting there. And uh, even if it only takes that first half, you know, we saw Gonzaga struggle in their first half of their first game and then get it together in the second. 
But anyway, somebody reached out, mentioned that they heard that. They went and bet all the unders on the first thing, which was not, I didn't say to do that. So don't give me the full credit here. Um, but they decided to do that in seven and one is what they went. So um, shout out. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody who does, I really, I sit here and I think that I'm just talking to myself for like 40 minutes. So I appreciate any of you who uh, are actually listening out there. And please, as always, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, would love to hear questions, comments, uh, or wins that you guys get. And hopefully I'll see you back here for more madness on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.